Right, so yes, uh, welcome to One Chat Live episode 21. Uh, we made it, we're here, and I'm smiling. Um, this, uh, for those who've been following, is um, an episode which I was hoping to bring you a while back. But um, there was a over-the-pond kind of uh, breakdown in communication. Uh, but this is probably the reason why I made these one thirty in the afternoon instead of um, our original Sunday 9 o'clock. Because I know there's loads of people outside of the UK as well who I really want you to listen to. Um, and get some inspiration from. Um, so yes, without putting too much stress on her shoulders, this is the reason why I changed the whole of my podcast time and broke the number one rule of consistency, um, because this is the person I really wanted you to listen to. God, that's good. I think I've got my own revenge now on her, making me stressed out. So anyway, so here we are. Um, without Well, I'll just introduce her briefly. Um, Tina Moir, I've known for quite a while now, um, because we used to be connected when uh, we worked for Runners Connect, um, who I wrote for and Tina managed and wrote for and I believe coached as well. So we might have a little chat about that. But since then, um, or as well, Tina's a, a GB athlete, Olympic um, potential. Um, and what exactly happened to that, I'm going to let her introduce. Uh, but in the meantime, um, you may well recognize and know her from her fantastic podcast, uh, Running For Real. Uh, which has got a few more downloads than this, but I'm catching up gradually. I've kind of got three figures. She's into a six or seven zeros at the end now, uh, but I, it, it gives me a target anyway. So without further ado, I shall bring on the lovely Tina Muir. How are you doing? I am good. And can I just say to everyone watching this, it is 100% my fault. I completely screwed up the times on the first one. I And I was actually sitting uh, at my, uh, I was sitting in my like living room. Actually, it wasn't like I was busy doing something. I was like, oh, I've got half an hour to go. And then suddenly it dawned on me once I opened up my computer. So I'm sorry about that. And I'm sorry about this morning. I am just apparently not with it but it's going to be worth it because uh, I know Matt and I are going to have a great conversation and Matt thank you so much for having me here is that better now I can hear you (laughs) (laughs) maybe it was me maybe I pressed something down here it's fine for the podcast I can just edit this and no one will know any better it's just the people watching I'm so sorry people watching no don't apologize Tina you've done done (laughs) right Okay, it's fine. Okay. I can splice this out and I'll put your apology in the notes, <laughs> in inverted commas. It'll be fine. You can use it for other, many other things in the future. I'll be like, oh, Tina sent me this apology for anything and everything you want in the future. Oh, look, here we go. You can sell oh, it off to people. Here we go. <laughs> Women sticking together on Mother's Day. Look at that. No sound at all from yourself. We could hear your lovely girl. Oh, so oh fair enough. Okay, it started. <laughs> I don't mind it. Yeah, Dude, fine. Thanks, Thank you. Kath. Yeah, cheers, Kath. Yeah, nice to see you. I can just get rid of your comment now. <laughs> right, okay, so thank you, Tina. Thanks so much. On Mother's Day as well. I'm sure you've got 101 other things you could be doing now. Well, actually, it's not Mother's Day in America. So, oh, of um, yeah, I'm actually, this is just a normal Sunday for me. But don't you kind of uphold it as you're from our side I originally? Was, or? I was, but there, uh, actually, until this year, I said to my mum, like, mum, we have to pick a day because we were kind of doing both. And uh, she said, well, shouldn't it just be the American one? Because if you, if I try and find a Mother's Day card now, there's nothing. So I, what I'd done in the past was get a happy birthday mum card, like cross it out and write happy Mother's Day. <laughs> so we just decided that my mum's going to have two Mother's Day. And yeah, so 
but I still sent a message to my mum and a message to my sister so um like saying happy mother's day so I'll still kind of say it but it's not what I'm being celebrated today she managed to get them cards on time you organized enough to sort that out were you well, not this year. That's what I mean. I'm, I'm, oh, right. from, as of this year, we're doing it. I'm doing it in May. But I just sent them a text message this morning so they know I'm at least thinking of them, my mum oh, and there sister. There you go. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. When is it in May, you say? I don't actually know. Yeah, I think it's like 20-something. <laughs> I'm oh, not sure. Right. <laughs> right. Well, um, I'm going to say Happy Mother's Day anyway. Yes. No, I can um, still celebrate be... it. I am yeah. British. So, yeah. Every day is Mother's Day. <laughs> anyway, right. So, um, yes, in all seriousness, thanks very much for joining us. Cause I know you're a very busy lady. Um, I'm hoping, because I know about you and a lot of people I know know about you, but I'm hoping the idea of this is to um, kind of get your name further out there. Now you're an author and all that on Amazon mm. yeah how's that going <laughs> um yeah it's going well yeah I, uh it's weird for me like that wasn't ever like the primary like I never expected it to be like an Amazon bestseller or anything it's way too specific of a topic but it does cool, feel cool to be able to say um an author and uh to know that people you know trust it and I've helped people and you know a lot of people have shared about it so that's been yeah I've been happy with it so for those of us who don't know um what we're talking about with Tina being an author. Let's just have a little look at the glorious title itself. Oh, now who's that That's first not. of all? <laughs> That's there? me and <laughs> my and daughter Bailey. <laughs> Bailey, <laughs> there we are. Just how don't know how that got in there. Um, yeah, there we go. There's a lovely Bailey. Um, and of course, she's testing me to this whole story and journey, isn't she? Ultimately, mm-hmm. um, there's the book. Um, the let's just bring it up. Huh? Well, what oh, I no, can no. see is That's the. You. there we go right so um maybe give us a breakdown for those who don't know about you or maybe haven't read the notes Mm -hmm. of the show um how did you get from wherever you were to writing this book yeah so um well I guess uh I I am British but as we've kind of gone over I live in America I did well uh in uh running in school and did you ran for a club, did all that, um, got good enough to be offered a full ride scholarship to go to school or go to university, I should say, in America. Uh, went over to America and uh, did five years over here while I got my degree. Um, in America, all degrees are at least four years, but most people stretch them out to five, uh, especially if you're in a sport. That way you can have five years of really dedicating yourself. So uh, did my five years here and... Uh, yeah, I've met my husband and have stayed here since. Went on to become a professional athlete, uh, ran for Socony, who I think actually, or in England, do we say, do people say Socony? I can't I'm remember. i yet to work it out. It depends. It's like, what did Nick <laughs> Anderson say? You had Nick Anderson on the show, didn't you? I think he works with it. What did he say? Let's go by what he I said. I think he says Socony. Oh, let's go with Socony then. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah he should know. Um, and yeah, did that and uh, was all going well. That picture Matt showed a minute ago of me uh, running for Great Britain, that was my lifetime goal since I was 14. And that was the day I accomplished it. As you can tell, I I was hating every second of that opportunity. Um, no, I was smiling <laughs> oh, no, no, like so big. People after the race said to me, they were like, did you even try hard? And I was like, yes, I did. But that moment was just, especially coming down the finishing straight, was so overpowering for me. And I just, I didn't care. Like, I was so happy to be doing it. But anyway, did that. Um, and then about, well, actually, it was um, about, 
well, that, I'm trying to remember the exact timing of it. About eight months, 10 months later, um, I got to meet my niece. Uh, I mentioned my sister earlier. She had a, a daughter, a baby girl. And I'd noticed that uh, I'd also become disenchanted with running. I really wasn't feeling that good about it after achieving that goal. You hear that all the time, don't you? You reach this lifetime goal and then you're kind of like, all right, what now? Um, so it was an amazing moment, but then it kind of left a bit of a low, a bit of a, not a depression, but uh, a bit of feeling lost. I met my niece and something started changing in the way that I was seeing running. I started seeing it as a thing I had to do rather than I get to do. I started seeing it as an ugh rather than a yay or rather than a let's go do this. Um, and throughout this, the same time, I had become more aware that to be a mother, um, I had to have my body be working correctly. And I knew I wanted to be a mother. And now seeing this physical manifestation of it in my niece, uh, it kind of reminded me of the fact that I had been keeping a secret for nine years, which was that I had another period in nine years. Um, and I was very aware that you have to have a period to be able to have a child. So all those things kind of led to this moment where I finally snapped. Uh, I was in England still. I snapped. I said, I'm done. And I stepped away from the sport and said, I don't know if I'll ever go back. Um, stop okay. running, just dead. So one question then. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you're fine. Um, I can't let you gloss over this. You say you were very aware that you needed to have a period to have a child. But it was nine years, was it? Uh-huh. So what was your thoughts during those nine years? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, it started when it first, when I first lost it. The first time I lost it, I was actually still in England. I was training with Paula Radcliffe's coach. And the training sessions were very hard, very difficult. Uh, I spoke to the guy. He gave me some suggestions. It worked. Um, got it back. And then I went to university and it went away again. And so I got very concerned. I said, I know this isn't right. I kind of pressed doctors to help me figure this out. And thankfully, in the US, as much as it costs money to get health care, um, when you're in the university system, especially as an athlete, you are very well looked after. I mean, I'm sure you know this, Matt, but many of your listeners know this, that um, – <laughs> In the UK, if you need an MRI, you might be waiting three months. Whereas here, I could kind of, I knew the doctor quite well and he would be like, I'll get you on Friday. It was like two days later, he could get me one. Um, so I decided to be like, look, I know this isn't right. So they did all kinds of tests, um, actually got me to cycle again using a very strong hormone. But then once I cycled, they said, all right, so nothing's wrong with you. Uh, it's just obviously you're running. And they said, okay, well, whenever you're ready to stop running, it'll come back. And I was like, okay. And then it kind of, um, the years just kept going by. I kept thinking I'll deal with it next month or, or I probably should go back and get that checked out. But I mean, you know how it is, Matt, we all do it, don't we? We, we say, oh, I just, you know, I've got that thing next week and I'm really busy right now, but Next month, I'll have some free time. So I'll do it. I'll deal with it then. But then next month, just next month. And before I knew it, it was getting on like seven years. And then it really started to, I started to like look into what I could change. I changed my diet. I changed the amount of rest I had. I looked at other alternatives, spoke to other doctors, but there really wasn't much out there at that time. So is it fair to say then that, well, first of all, two questions really. When you first approached somebody, a medical professional, did you get the impression that they didn't think it was a big thing? And secondly, 
did you get the impression that they hadn't seen many other people in your circumstances? Were they generally just misinformed or not interested? Or um, I think it was a bit of everything. I saw obviously loads of people over the years. I mean, even just going to the the GP or just the general doctor, they'd ask. That's always as a woman a question they ask you. Uh, what was the la- the date of your last period? And I would always be like, uh, I don't know. And I'd say they'd be like, Well, what do you mean you don't know? And I would explain it to them, and they'd say oh, well, you just need to stop running. And I I'm specifically remember being in England and a woman, one of the doctors saying to me, well, you just need to stop running. And I was like, you don't understand. Like this university is paying for me to, to go to university, paying my entire everything. I can't just stop running. But that was her like solution. And so I think it was more of a, it was too much effort for them to try and like, oh, just like if you're not prepared to give up your running, then you can just go, you know, get on with it. Like it's kind of that whole thing of, um, you know, you can't say, oh, I'm so exhausted, but then go to bed at 3 a.m. when you know you have to get up at five. Mm-hmm. It's It was that kind yeah. of thing of like, well, if you're not prepared to do what you're supposed to do, then don't come to me. So and what about how about other I mean, what about coaches you were working with at the time or other athletes? Did you talk to the coaches about it and other athletes around you um well one of the original coaches uh at the university who's no longer a coach um was actually the one that told me uh or told someone else and I overheard it to lose weight and I asked him if I should lose weight and he said yes which was essentially what kicked off the whole thing um right so he definitely wasn't informed uh but I think uh coaches wise it's something that yes you now I think it's getting to the point where you can maybe say something to a coach, but back then it wasn't really something you would ever discuss with a coach. And particularly as a lot of coaches are men, it's not comfortable. And actually um, there's a study coming out, very a very large study coming out very soon, which I actually know a lot of detail about, uh, 15,000, 14,000 people. And um, it, I can't, I can't say specific numbers, but let's say over 80% of people hadn't um, spoken to their coach of anything about their period. So, do you think this is this is because a lot of the coaches are men? Is it a, is it a man problem thing where you just think uh, oh, I'm embarrassed? Or I think that's partly it. Um, I think it's also women see talking about that as a sign of weakness, um, right. seeing it as you know some women don't want to be kind of like using that as an excuse. Other women just feel very uncomfortable about talking about bodily functions. Um, and other part of it is that it just isn't something that we, it's very much, even as a woman, it's, um, you know, with other women, it's something you just don't really discuss. Um, the only time I really felt uncomfortable would be when my friends were discussing like cramps and I wouldn't know what that was like cause I didn't have it. So I'd like slink off to the corner, but really cramps was pretty much the only thing that people discuss. So, um, I think it's just, yeah, just something that w- women just quietly dealt with under the sure. surface. So we're kind of talking about, I mean, I teach A&P, so like four or five times a week, I'm in a class of 16-year-olds talking about their menstruation, so it kind of comes quite naturally. Yeah. But in society still, it is regarded, like you said, as women will feel pressured by their bosses and their mm-hmm. coaches that they can't perform. It's interesting that you say it's seen as like, I mean, we were talking the other day with an adult class, how not lots of other cultures is actually seen as what it should be as kind of the blessing of life. It's something mm-hmm. which is celebrated. It's without that, there wouldn't be what we yeah, should be around. Exactly. So yeah. It's um but it surprises me how coaches 
who, especially working with so many young female athletes, you think that some of their training would involve recognizing symptoms, making sure they realize or let all their athletes know the doors open. You just said the um, key word there, though, yeah. training. I don't yeah. think there is most coaches that I know of, especially in the college system, there isn't a co- there isn't a coaching degree or a coaching certification or anything. People have uh, coaching certifications, but from what I see, most coaches um, in the university system, most ki- coaches like for the Great Britain athletes or the you know uh, I'm, I don't even know if Nick Anderson has any coaching certifications because it's just something that's not really um, a requirement. So yeah, I, you said about you know learning about it, but again, I think it's just people would rather brush it under the carpet. It's getting better. Yeah, it is quite bizarre. I mean, obviously in the UK, you've got the UK athletics and you've got the various kind of progression from run leader to running coach. And I've been to those to see what the content was like. And they're excellent, actually, in terms of teaching coaches to be teachers, to be with all their demonstrations Mm -hmm. and inclusion and diversification, all these things. But yeah, there was definitely not, um, maybe it was, maybe in a more, I like to think there should be for people in these positions a whole section, a whole day on injuries mm-hmm. and people susceptible to injury. Because also you mentioned the whole female triad thing, aren't you? You're looking at potential stress fractures and telltale yep. signs. And, but in your, in your experience, and you've been there at the top. I don't know about like now, but in not many years ago, there was a distinct lack, was there? Yeah, I would definitely. I, I mean, I'd still say there is, but it's definitely getting better. There's a lot of people out there who are doing great work. There's an app called um, Fitter, which uh, I know is doing a lot of F-T-I-F-I-T-R. Uh, they're doing a lot of uh, really good stuff to kind of bring awareness. And there are plenty of other things and other people talking about it. Um, and just the nutrition side of it, Rini McGregor being a key one. I know she's done a lot um, on national news lately, so that's good. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's crazy if you think about it, like something that happens once a month, every month for half the population. And uh, yeah, it's just never really been, been brought to the attention. And actually the findings that people are having about um, performance, uh, again, this study, I can't say much more about it yet, but um it's really really interesting to see just how women feel about it but also how they how much it they feel it affects them what about female coaches there's obviously not enough of them no quite a small percentage what do you well firstly what i mean it's interesting talking to you because you've been there but why do you think there's a distinct lack of female coaches why are they all kind of not saying they're bad coaches but why there's a lack of women Um, I think it was originally, again, I can only really speak to the US right now um, because I don't really know the UK situation with coaches. All I really know are the um, Great Britain and and England coaches, and those are all men from what I've seen. Uh, But I think a lot of it over here in the US is definitely it's an old boys club. Uh, It's getting better. And actually the universities themselves are kind of almost going a bit the other way. Like my husband sometimes has a hard time uh, looking at jobs because they clearly want a woman in the in the position. Um, so uh, I think it was traditionally a place where uh, it's the same group of men, these just kind of friends that just pass it pass jobs around to each other. But uh, it is interesting that you say that. I think also there's there's a part I, I shouldn't really I don't know if it's I shouldn't say this, but. I have to admit for myself, there is a part of me that kind of likes having, I just 
I don't know, maybe it's because I've always had male coaches. I always feel like um, they are better. It's not true at all, but that's always what I've grown up with because I've always had a male coach. Um, so I think there's also that kind of switch we need to, as women, let go of this thing that men know more than us because it's not true at all. But I can admit as much as anyone else that I've never had a, a female coach. It's really interesting you say that, and it's great, and more women should say it. But I think a lot of the women I know, for example, they actually admit they'd prefer having male bosses than female bosses. Hmm. And yeah. I think there's kind of maybe a similarity there. There's, it also is that thing of put a stick a pack of women together and it can get a little bit competitive and nasty mm-hmm. and bitchy. And, and I don't know whether that's something society creates, or whether it's in your genes, who knows. But, yeah, I it's tricky. it's getting better. But, yeah, it's there's definitely uh, – uh, a culture right now that a lot of women feel you you rising up is taking away from me but there's room for everyone up here and um I've really been trying uh hard to you know bring attention bring light to other podcasters in the running podcast industry because of that exact reason um that's kind of where I'm where I am where my like niche is but um I want to you know, encourage them and, and with everything else, it should be the same with coaches. But again, I think you're right. The, uh, a lot of women want a, a male coach, a male boss. And so there's only very few women who actually are prepared to have a woman boss or a woman coach. And then from there, they've got to fight it out for who gets the, those athletes. So it's changing, but yeah, it's, I think partly it's, it's kind of us women trying to fight against that natural instinct to, to see one another as competitors because just not true <laughs> yeah it's very tricky because you are indoctrinated from day one the day you know as soon as we put girls in pink and boys in blue and send you to school and most of your teachers are, it's yeah. kids grow up with that like you say you just get used to it and mm-hmm. anyway I want to go back to something you mentioned where your coach who is no longer a coach mm-hmm. um, suggested because it's it's interesting you said he was uninformed but i probably say he was misinformed and it was a big thing where he mm. presumed that it was you weren't eating enough because that's the most common well no, no he presumed I was eating too much I think oh, he, he told thought... me he told oh, me he to thought... oh really oh yeah. I thought he was presuming that you were missing your peers because of some no, no, he didn't know I was missing no? my that that coach was the one that kicked it off as in he told me to lose weight so what did I do start restricting what I was oh, eating oh I see what you mean was the amenorrhea Oh, okay. But I can imagine, oh, sorry, I misheard you. Because I, I can imagine that a lot of people, even listeners, presume that the main cause of missing periods is either you're pregnant or anorexia, because that's what the yes. kind of hits the media. But that wasn't the case for you at all, was it? Yes or and no. It? it wasn't anorexia. I wasn't pregnant. Um, but I did have disordered eating. I've realized this more and more lately that um, my relationship with food was not good. Uh, from pretty much that coach saying that that kind of kicked it off in my mind uh, but you're exactly right that and that is why I didn't say anything you mentioned you know why why did I let it go nine years I didn't say anything because I didn't want people to say you're anorexic which is not true it's you know um, and it also kind of puts people who are struggling or working through anorexia in this box of like shame and that's just you know they're working very hard most of them to uh, to get out of this and um, but I was scared I would be given that label and because it has such a negative connotation attached to it um, you're right but it is a lot of this and uh, amenorrhea not having a period um, is all about calories um, you 
uh, you're not getting enough in. But the thing is, it's not just about women in this situation, Matt. Like men are the same thing. It's called Red S now, Relative Energy Deficiency Syndrome. And men are not exempt. So any of us as runners or not as runners um, who uh, aren't getting enough calories, we're putting our bodies at serious risk. But women just have that more visible uh, kind of indicator of the period each month to know whether it's uh, enough or not. So so what yeah. were some of the symptoms? Because I've I got picked up on this actually. It's from America. Maybe it's the, the red S thing is kind of bigger in America. But yeah, what would the symptoms for a guy be with the overtraining and not eating um, properly? Yeah. Like, Serious fatigue, um, kind of chronic fatigue, uh, low testosterone, um, stomach upsets, which Rini McGregor talked about lately. Um, like if you're constantly having like GI issues, um, that's another huge warning sign. Uh, you know, constant hunger. The fact that if you're thinking about food all the time, that's what I was kind of doing. I'd be like, I just ate. How can I be hungry again? Um, and so I'd be thinking about food all the time. I'd finish a meal and be like, Oh, I can't wait for my next one. But that was because I hadn't eaten enough at that one. Um, and so if you're constantly thinking about food, that's another big one kind of seeing events, uh, socially as a scary thing to do because you don't want to gain weight. That's another one. Um, and I just want to take this moment to say it's not about weight. Like people look at it and they think, Oh, well, I'm, that's exactly what I thought. I'm not skinny enough to be that. Like I'm, I'm, there's skinnier people than me, but it's, it's nothing about weight. Um, it's all about kind of calories for you and your body. And I've realized since that I need to eat a lot more calories than someone else I might race against, even if we were doing exactly the same training. Um, my body just needs more and you know, that's just how it's going to be. So uh yeah hope that answered the question <laughs> yeah no definitely and it is tricky because you do look at so many athletes and there's practically nothing on them and does that kind of mean that they're all not eating and overtraining, or does it mean that they're just naturally that's their body shape and that's mm -hmm. the advantage to be or i wouldn't say it's an advantage anyway i think we've all we're all going to be our strongest at our own like healthy weight like for me um you know i'm probably only uh, eight to 10 pounds, maybe what, that being kilos, five kilos, maybe four, um, heavier than what I was before. But that in itself is where my body is happy. Like I have my period regularly now and um, that's where my body wants to be. So looking back, if I'd have been this weight or this kind of calorie um, consumption running years ago, I probably would have run faster. So it's all about finding the balance for you. It's not kind of, it's hard not to see it as, oh, they're just lucky, they're skinnier and they can get away with it. Mm. Um, but that isn't the case. You're going to run your best. You're going to be your best when you are at the weight and the, the calorie intake that is best for you. So um, it's, there's a lot of very naturally thin runners out there who get their period very regularly, very healthy, eat enough. You wouldn't believe how much they eat. Um, and then there's some people that are very thin, they're same genetics, but uh, they might not eat as much, but they can, you know, their body is okay with that. Maybe it's very efficient. So it's very confusing um, to kind of know where you fall. But I think the biggest thing is, um, for me, it's getting to a point where you're okay with eating, you're at peace with eating whatever you want and whenever you want and that will kind of be where your body but where your body wants to be you're not ravenous all the time but you're not thinking about food all the time 
So that's yeah, kind that's of where good. I would strive to get to. That's good. So to make it clear um, for runners, especially younger runners who don't know what to expect, because there's this kind of illusion that um, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to work that hard. So a knock-on effect is going to be things like missing periods or irregular menstruation. Mm-hmm. As far as I've looked into it and from listening to you and the podcast you've done, even just missing one or two is a sign that something's going wrong, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is kind of a warning sign that you're riding that line. Um, and it kind of gives you that time to be like, I better get this back on track. And, um, you know, when I was getting mine back, uh, the first time I got it back, uh, I was still breastfeeding, which in, inhibits uh, your menstrual cycle for some women. Um but I was still breastfeeding when I got it. But then I went 42 days before the next one. So you better bet from day 30 to day 42, I was like eating so much thinking, oh, this is happening again. Like I better get going again. Um, so if you miss one or even two or whatever, that's get back on track with your eating. Start there. That's always the best place to be. I did stop running, as I mentioned, to get mine back. And that just kind of kick-started it and made it happen quickly. I was pregnant within 10 weeks. But you don't necessarily have to cut out the running if you try with eating more first. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, for those um, people who are interested, I'm definitely going to write it in the notes and that. But there's a um, amazing discussion uh, between you and the two ladies. Let me just remember their names. Heidi and Nicola. Heidi and Nicola, that was it, which is mm-hmm. something which I think it's just a, should go down as one of the all-time classic podcasts, I think. Well, actually, that is my most downloaded episode ever. Oh, that's brilliant. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put a note up for that because it goes into the whys and the hows and comes up with all some brilliant information. Mm-hmm. But um, I noticed in that there's an interesting discussion about the question of whether you do absolutely stop running or whether you try, I can't remember what the phrase you use, it was like all out or something. Or all total. in is, yeah, where you just it? Yeah. do all of it, like stop running, eat everything and anything whenever you want. Uh, don't really do much movement other than sitting on the couch, couch exercise, uh, yeah. get acupuncture, like relax, rest, go to bed, get 10 hours, all that stuff. That's what, yeah. yeah, we call it all in. But it doesn't, I suppose it depends on the person whether that is that, kind, I mean, obviously the psychology of it is important as well. It's a massive factor. Are you the sort of person who can do that or are you yes. the sort of person who can dial down? You went all in, didn't you? You were like, I can't yeah. trust myself. Yeah. So I've had, I would say the majority of women that reach out to me, and there's been tens of thousands at this point, the majority of them, it's way too scary for them to just all of a sudden go all in, do it all, stop running everything. Um, and that, I think a lot of people get there when they kind of realize that the other way either takes too long or, um, you know, isn't working. And, but most people aren't prepared to just make a snap decision like I did. Um, and it, yeah, you're right. The psychological side is the hardest part of it because, you know, it's not only are you taking away the identity part of not being a runner or not being able to exercise, you know, you always saw yourself as someone who, got out five days a week or seven days a week to do some exercise. Now you don't have that. Um, But you're also kind of going like a salmon up swimming upstream. I mean, we listen to the ads on the radio or uh, we're even hearing people's conversations. What are they saying? I need to lose weight. I ate too much. Or, you know, I was a pig over Christmas. Like it's constant conversation about losing weight. So you trying to gain weight feels like it's just really hard to do. So I would say the psychological part is is very difficult and something that 
uh, a lot of people struggle with more than they thought they would. Because um, it sounds fun, doesn't it? You've got like a free pass to eat whatever you want, whenever you want. It sounds amazing. And I kind of very much embrace that. Um, and actually, interestingly enough, reached a point where I was like, okay, I'm kind of kind of done with that now. And I dialed it down. But what was that the point? That was the point when everything had clicked together. Um, but people get very scared that they won't be able to stop. And they envision themselves you know, going suddenly to obese and being, you know, you can't even walk to the, to the post box up the road because you're too tired to, to go anywhere. So it's quite scary psychologically. Definitely. Yeah. And this is both for elites and recreation, I suppose, because mm-hmm. elites, you're thinking this is my future. This is my bread and butter. For a lot of recreational runners, running is their identity. You yep. take that away, and they're no longer got. Well, they just don't. Feel well, like it's a their thing, anymore. yeah. yeah. Like they're they're a, they're a parent. They work for a living, and running is the one thing that's for them. So, yeah, it's scary, and um, it's it's definitely definitely something that's tricky. And myself, I you know, when I did this, I was launching my business called Running for Real, and I had all these fears, saying, "Well, why is anyone going to listen to me when I?" I'm not running. I'm not, you know, they're going to think I'm an imposter. Um, so there's a lot of like scary stuff that goes along with it. But that worked out much <laughs> better than you could probably yeah. imagine. Well, I saw um, some of my, I don't know if they're still in here now, but some of my uh, superstars, as I call them, are in here right now. And they were very supportive of me kind of saying, we don't care whether you're running or not. Like you, you know, we want to hear from you either way. So um, I want to give them a a thank you for uh, sticking with me and showing me that I didn't have to be a runner to to help them with their running. So I think that's the without, you know, making your head explode too much. That's the fantastic thing about running for real. I mean, the name conquers it completely. It is Mm -hmm. real, but it's not just running for real. It's real as in being a person. It's real as in although we all love running, there is a life that fits around runners as well. And sometimes it's going to kind of dip in and Mm-hmm. decrease and stuff so I mean um that's a great podcast and it fills a gap that often I've kind of looked for and one of the reasons I've tried to start or this podcast really was just to make a podcast that's accessible not just for um runners but also therapists and coaches which will cross boundaries between men and women which I think your podcast definitely does mm-hmm. um I think there's a temptation if guys think oh no it's another woman talking to other women about no this is exactly it's the same as when guys I'm sure Maybe it was just me, but I'm sure teenage boys, there's, there's a stage where you pick up Cosmopolitan because you're kind of interested and you flip through <laughs> I didn't it. didn't know that. If this is just me, then I'm sorry, guys. But you kind of, you, you pick up and you look through these magazines or even earlier, maybe you look through Blue Jeans or some kind of teenage or some teenage girly magazine, as in that type of girly magazine, not the other one. But because <laughs> you're interested, guys at a younger age, they're interested in what are these girls about then? And, and it's the same thing now. Male adults should be, looking specifically at conversations between women um tuning into podcasts like yours particularly when it's two female guests i love the ones you do where it's just you and a mate like sarah crouch or someone just chatting yeah yeah because it's just like it's, it's if you, like you want to find out you know? yeah it's amazing yeah. it's just great yeah well this so, yeah. is kind of like that although can i ask you when you flick through yeah cosmo what were your thoughts <laughs> it's a long time ago i know but like were you like wow this is all about makeup or like like, I mean, obviously, you're probably like, oh, that girl's, you know, look at how pretty she is or whatever word you would have used. But like, can you remember any Were you like, wow, this is all a bit like, you know, about the way they look or was there anything? I'm just curious. Was there anything that jumped out? Um, 
I think the main thing which kind of stuck with me, and it always has stuck with me, is just like, wow, these people really talk to each other a lot, and they'll talk about anything and everything. Like girls. Whereas, like everything. Girls, oh, yeah, women yeah. in particular. Mm. I mean, sometimes men will complain that women talk too much. And, mm. you know, hand on heart, I believe you actually do. But <laughs> in talking loads, you share sense, you share feelings, you share worries, you share concerns. I was talking last week to Lisa Shabbos, who's another great inspirational woman from our neck of the woods. And there's this problem now with 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 uh, anxiety, particularly in men, and suicide, and all this stuff. And I think it's got to be connected to the fact that guys don't talk; mm. you know, they're scared. Mm-hmm. I'm sure women have stresses and problems as well, but at least you actually talk to each other. Yeah. About. Oh, yeah. There's a you lot. You know, as men close it up and they're worried, mm-hmm. just the same as women are probably scared of going to a guy and talking about their peers and stuff because they think there's going to be preconceptions. Guys don't talk to each other really about worrying about feelings of imposter syndrome or stuff like that because it's seen as a weakness. So yeah. Um, yeah, running for real, guys. Listen to it. Dart <laughs> towards the conversations with just women, and you will you'll learn a lot. Yeah. And, well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, cool. it's, it's it's fun, and I I try to be very varied with the the type of guests I bring on. So hopefully, it keeps it so that everyone can enjoy some episodes. Oh no, sure. So you have some amazing guests, and then there's also for the guys as well. You know, that next second you're talking to Rich Willie and Alex Hutchinson, and and people like this who are just like bam, as much information oh, yeah. as you probably want. Oh yeah, which is great. So let's, um, I mean, I can't believe it's already 2.15 now, but I want to imagine that either maybe a young runner is listening, a female runner is listening to this podcast, or maybe the father or the mother of a young athlete is listening to this podcast and they think, oh, my, I think my daughter's suffering from this, is a conversation we had. What is now, I know it's tricky because you're in the States, but what is the support or where should they go? I'm worried that if they go to GP, it's going to get shot down a little mm-hmm. bit. Is there maybe a online or? or yes. Even, what should uh, I believe trainbrave.org uh, just is what it sounds like. Trainbrave.org. Um, that's Rini McGregor and Tom Fairborough, I think his name is. Um, that's what they've set up pr- pretty much for this reason. Resources for um, working through, you know, under eating, getting your period back that kind of stuff. Uh, that is the number one place I would recommend sending you to. I mentioned the app Fitter, um, F-I-T-R. Uh, that's another great app that has a lot of information for women. They are starting to look into amenorrhea. Um, uh, you know, obviously you can, you can follow me and you read my book. I would love to help you. And, um, my book is, you know, going to be helpful or I will say, um, for someone who is maybe a teenage girl, some of the parts might not resonate quite as much because it's pretty clear that I um, was ready to have a child. And I would imagine most people in their teenage years are not ready to have children. Um, but the same is a lot of it is about the uh, body image and learning to love yourself kind of stuff, which everyone can read. And um, I would just say, uh, go follow people who inspire you and make you feel good about yourself I mean it's very easy for us on social media to go follow people who we think are cool or like celebrities and think oh I wish I was like them but don't follow them don't um don't find yourself if if someone makes you feel bad about yourself when you look at their pictures unfollow them or if you can't unfollow them if they're a friend mute them so you can't see it and go follow people who inspire you I mean one for me is Amy Schumer Um, the comedian. I just love how real she is. She's in this celebrity world surrounded by these women who are just so materialistic, but she just keeps herself and she's uh, just funny and, you know, stands up for what she believes in. So people like that for me uh, are inspiring. 
Um, Candace Huffin is another one over here um, that I like. So go follow someone who inspires you and makes you feel good about who you are, not making you feel bad, because that's a huge part of it is, is believing in yourself. Brilliant, definitely. And as you mentioned, and I probably haven't bigged up enough, I mean, that's your book as well. Like you say, there might be bits that don't resonate for a young teenage athlete, but we're talking about maybe coaches picking it up. We're talking about parents mm-hmm. picking it up, mm-hmm. um, brothers, sisters, anyone who's worried and just wants to know. Because if you've got a friend or family member or even mum who's kind of like heavily into their running, you know, it's something which 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 could become an issue, isn't it? At yeah. the moment as we stand. You know, especially mm-hmm. if they're really dedicated and 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 just doing everything they can to excel. So, uh, yeah, definitely your book, which is available on, well, definitely on Amazon.co.uk. I'm sure Amazon.com. Did you say it's a bestseller already? Did I hear no, you say? No, no, no. It's um, <laughs> it was it was the one uh, a number one new release in the running uh, oh, running category. It's it's not a, it's not a best. Well, I guess that was, but it's not a bestseller. Well, it's now. a bestseller. <laughs> it does make it a bestseller. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. Um. Fantastic. And right, let me just check on my little crib sheet. Um, I just want to say, while you're looking at that, David yeah. said, I've never thought of the Running Field podcast as a women's podcast, just an amazing podcast, which happens to be hosted by women. So I don't know if we kind of confused people thinking that it's, it is, you know, we're talking about women's stuff. It's not really, uh, David is, oh, sorry. David is exactly right that it is, um, it's, I've got just as many male listeners as female listeners, and it's we don't talk about girly stuff. It's very much a oh yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I wouldn't suggest it's a women's podcast whatsoever. No, no, I'm doing the opposite. I'm saying that if men do have the impression that it could be that, um, or by listening to one and just hearing two female voices talking, and a lot of guys are just pre-engineered. So as soon as mm. they hear two women talking, they just switch off. Unfortunately, mm. they think it's going to be like what's it called that show on TV live? No, what they called. Um, loose women or something <laughs> because because we get that shoved down our heads 24 hours yeah. a day by our beloved media no, it's not like that. guys disconnect <laughs> yeah and i assure you out there there's absolutely no similarity at all no it's the opposite guys should be listening to it because as well as picking up great things about running they just learn so much um about um women as well that was the point mm-hmm. i was making um in a good sense so david sorry if i confused you there <laughs> um it's definitely not a podcast for women so we'll clear that comment off now um Fine. Um, let's have a little look. So Bailey came along, the lovely Bailey. How old is she now? She's 14 months. Um, so imagine down the line, Bailey wants to start running. She, she, I mean, she already likes to run around the house. So is she showing that aptitude, do you think? I, I do not want to be one of those parents. Like, I swear my parents now, like, you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you were always running around as a child. And I'm like, please every child is running around as a child like you know if I picked up a musical instrument as a child which Bailey has multiple times I wouldn't be like oh she's going to be a musician so I don't want to be one of those parents that kind of pushes it onto her but you know I'd love to think that she would Um, Steve and I are both very much lead by example kind of people and so I would be surprised if she wasn't kind of wanting to kind of join in and uh you know when I was down in Disney uh Disney World doing the Disney World half marathon I point I saw there was a one mile race and I said to my dad like one day she's gonna do that like I'm you know even if that's kind of a a bribe for um going into the parks like you know I, I would hope she would want to do it uh as herself but if I have to force her to do one race it will probably be that one um but yeah it's uh it's 
hopefully going to be something she enjoys. But if she doesn't, I, you know, I'm absolutely fine with that not being the case. I've seen so many examples of girls and boys being pushed into a sport or pushed to kind of uh, perform in a sport. And uh, the people from my community who are watching this right now or listening to this right now, they know that that is one of my real like pet peeves is when people kind of tell me that 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 this child's going to be an Olympian because at age 12 they're running the certain time um so I want Bailey to decide she wants to do it and I'm not going to put any pressure on her even if she is does turn out to be good until she's at least like 18 19 years old mm, that's, that's brilliant from you that sounds amazing um <laughs> and it is a problem as well because as a sports therapist and that a lot of the oh, kids yeah. I see sometimes you just need to say like you just want the parents to leave the room for a second because oh, yeah. yeah. you can see that's because they love them and they want them to do well etc etc but there's a pressure there and the number mm-hmm. of times I have managed to get the kid by themselves and just they've kind of like just gone I don't want to do it anymore you know mm-hmm. or they've gone you know why did you stay on the pitch if your foot was hurting because it was just I knew my dad was watching and stuff I do not want to let him down it's just like kind of 10 11 year old kids so yeah it's a big message there for dads and mums as well um, it's very tricky though God, yeah yeah and I world, and I'm yeah. not in it yet so I don't know yeah, how I will handle it but that's something that I really I've always felt very strongly about and maybe even a little bit aggressive I think my community would also agree um I can be a bit aggressive in my response there because that's something I'm so passionate about that kids should play and that's it so your when was Disney again because you won that January yeah. And you won that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my, it, I will say it was a slow year for them, but it was still I still ran fast and so I was that was an amazing experience. Probably number two in my running career. Oh wow. That's yeah, like, how was that was that in terms of like a comeback or because there was a period where you just didn't want to run, you weren't running. Yeah. You imagine. Mm, um I mean, I was still six minutes off my personal best in the half marathon, which can I just, you know, before anyone kind of starts rolling their eyes, if you th- six minutes might not sound like a lot if you've run two hours, 2.30 in the marathon, but six minutes as, uh, you know, a percentage of what, just over an hour, that's actually a lot of time. So um, I think you're talking, you know, 30 seconds a mile, um, which for someone who's only, you know, my, I think my, personal best pace is like 530 something in the mile and I was running over six so that's a pretty high percentage change um so I I wasn't I'm nowhere near even now I'm going into Boston Marathon um and I'm probably 15 minutes away from a personal best but I'm totally at peace with where I am um I put my daughter first the other day I had an hour run on my sheet uh it was raining she didn't want to be under the rain cover and I said okay so I cut it at like 48 minutes I think or something like that whereas before I would have been like I'm gonna finish this or I'm gonna go out for 12 minutes later or whatever it would be so uh, I'm very much at peace with kind of where my running is and and David as well as many of the others know they train the same way that I talk about no watch me so I don't do anything by paces my training has been entirely by minutes nothing by distance or time uh, distance or pace so um yes yeah, it's, it's quite enjoyable this way which is good that's great that's lovely to hear there was a it just reminded me actually there was a amazing quote by um nicole on your uh podcast on that one i mentioned which was it when i'm building a five-star baby hotel yes. I'm prepared that's to my favorite quote too. oh geez i mean there was I moments know. on that 
podcast where you kind of I've, I had a little bit of dust in my eye anyway. Yeah. You know, I think you guys had to stop it and restart or something. But just even from the happiness side of it, of hearing things like that, it was just like, wow, this is so It heavy. just changes really your perspective. Yeah, like yeah, people yeah, yeah. would say, oh, I'm getting fat. But you say, no, I'm building a five-star baby hotel. Or for me, I would say I'm building a nice soft pillow for my baby to sleep on. Like I would want them to sleep on a plush soft you know really pillowy uh like bed not yeah, yeah, yeah. like one of those wiry like things you might stay on at, um a friend at universities where it's like a you know exactly. a, a futon they call it here i don't know what the word That's is yeah, yeah, over here oh, as well. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like so there's definitely ways you can kind of spin the perspective to um to to make it not seem so scary definitely brilliant Right, well, look, it's 2.28. I mean, at Zoom by, I could talk to you for another hour, but um, <laughs> it's Mother's Day. I've got more responsibilities yeah. as well yeah, yeah. over here. Oh, yeah. Um, but thank you so much, Tina, for coming on no, and giving us an hour of your time. Thanks um, for having I'm, me. No, it's wicked. Um, I'm hoping that, um, especially when I put the podcast out, there'll be lots of people inspired by you and, and will buy your book, maybe reach out and contact you. Your website is quite simple, isn't it's it? It's my it's name, yeah, so T-I-N-A-M-U-I-R.com. How do you pronounce your surname? I actually say it Muir, but people say it all kinds of ways. So <laughs> There's not one way, Muir. I kind of do a Muir, but yeah, yeah. Tin Muir. A lot of people do that, so that's fine. So tinmuir.com for any information. And hopefully there will be, you know, people who are, well, not, I don't want anyone to be in a bad situation, but if there is people out there looking for support, then hopefully today, and thanks to you, they'll realise that there is places they can go to and, and talk about these things. So oh, thank, you. thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was great fun. Oh, oh, great. So I'm going to uh, make you disappear now, just say goodbye to everyone else, and then I'll that come back fun. and say thanks to you personally in a couple of minutes. Okay, all thank right. you. All right, yep. cheers. Speak to you in a bit. Thanks. Bye. What a lovely lady. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I feel all warm inside. Um, oh, something in my eye, a bit of dust. Um, it's brilliant, like I say, the Running For Real podcast for so many reasons, but definitely uh, look at the one um, with Nicole Rinaldi and Heidi Greenwood. Um, it's just so, it's got so much important information. Um, like I say, whether you're a female athlete or your daughter or your sister or your mum or your aunt, or um, it's, um, yeah, something you should check out. And then also, Again, moving away from that, just because of the quality of the guests and the, and because Tina is the host, she just puts it in a way that is so real, like the name suggests. You've got Rich Willie, you've got um, Hutchinson, you've got um, some fantastic guests on there. The list is an, uh, endless. Steve Magnus you've got on there. Um, so, yeah, check it out. Um, and then once you've checked it out, please don't forget about me because I'll be here every Sunday twice a month as well to try and keep it real. Um in fact, in two weeks' time, we've got the fantastic Jack Chu. We're putting a bit of testosterone back into it. Um, we don't want to go too far down the sensitivity route. I've already admitted I used to read Cosmopolitan. So Jack Chu will be back. Um, none come with more testosterone than our mank um, lover, Jack Chu. So do tune in two weeks' time where Jack will be talking about the state of physiotherapy and what he's doing to um, make it better in the UK. And fantastic news and information he'll be giving. Until then, thank you very much for listening as always. Uh, my thanks again to guest Tina Muir. Um, have a look at our website runchatlive.com and we'll see you back here in two weeks time thank you very much and goodbye you're listening to run chat live podcast putting the evidence back into running injury and performance